I've been talking about the new old and the old old. There's a whole bunch of us who don't think we're old. And we're so fortunate to have good health and be running around. And it's like the senior centers in some ways, a place for older teenagers. Then there are a group of what we might consider the older old people who have developed vulnerabilities and need some support. Welcome to Sebastopol City Limits, a podcast. We'll be talking to folks inside and outside the Sebastopol City Limits about local government, education, and culture. I'm Dale Doherty with the Sebastopol Times. I'm Dale Doherty, and I'm joined today by Joan Churchill, who is the executive director of the Sebastopol Area Senior Center. Welcome, Joan. Hi, Dale. So nice to be with you today. I looked up a little bit of bio on you, and you actually have a kind of an interesting start to your life, don't you, as a young person? Yeah, it's not traditional middle class, that's for certain. It was below working class and crawling out to be who I wanted to be. You grew up in the East Coast, right? In the East Coast, in an old mill town, French-Canadian Catholic heritage. My grandmas and grandpas all came from Canada. And I moved to Maine when I was 17, and I was a fish out of water in a city, which is why I just adore living in small communities and rural communities. How did you get out to California? When you lived on the East Coast in the 1960s, California is the promised land. I have a sister who's two years older than me, and she dreamt ever since she was a little girl of moving to California, and she did back in 1980. So I used to visit her all the time and couldn't believe that there was this land where jade plants grow in parks and uh, just a different world. And gosh, probably 20 years ago, I read Charles Schultz's biography and found out about Sebastopol and it was next door to where my sister lives in Santa Rosa. And I tried to bicycle so many times to the town and actually did once. And I never wanted to leave Sebastopol, but of course I had a job and a family back on the East Coast, but here I am now. Oh, that's wonderful. So you're relatively new to the Sebastopol Area Senior Center, is that right? Yes, I've been on for less than a month, mentored wonderfully by our last executive director, Katie Davis. And we are a tiny organization, but a powerhouse Um the Senior Center has been around since 1969, and it was a different world back then. Um, the property was given to the city by people who had passed, and they had to keep it as some sort of services for senior citizens. Hmm. So that's how it started, and it had gone through many different ways of doing that throughout the years. Around 2000, the organization decided to make a, a bigger stand. They renovated the building with almost $2 million of funds that they themselves raised and enlarged the building at the same time and changed the name. It used to be known as Burbank Senior Center or something like that, and now it's the Sebastopol Area Senior Center. We're toying with, there's a lot of baby boomers who don't consider themselves senior citizens, no matter how old or young they are. Yes, we're toying and we're probably going to have a survey to find out what's the best name for us now, because we want people to know that we're here on behalf of making sure that people who consider themselves older, retired, semi-retired, whatever, there's a place for them and a place for their caregivers and friends 
our board is in the midst of a strategic plan and they're really focused on inclusion, including intergenerational and the research on how people from different generations and people from different socioeconomic blending can have the opportunity to mentor young people, especially so that they can open doors and just, so those are the types of things that we're really interested in forwarding. That's a, that's a wonderful direction. It's something that cities should offer is that we have ways to meet people outside our own age background mm -hmm. status, mm -hmm. whatever it is you want to use there and bringing them together, especially old and young coming together in new ways. I completely agree. One really exciting thing that's happening on Monday is we are reopening our Harvest Cafe. Right now, it's only going to be open from 11 to 1, Monday through Fridays. Right now, it's planned to be for two weeks. It's the same menu. There's three different things on the menu. It includes an, um, a super salad and the main thing and a dessert. It's very affordable. People who are members can join and partake, and people who aren't members can come on in. And it's also takeout. And we do this as many senior senators do around the country, is to have a place that is really affordable, especially for people on fixed incomes, to socialize and meet new friends. Because oftentimes when people aren't in the workplace anymore, they really don't know how to go out and make friends, if you will, or just have a place to go where they know they can do this and it's not going to break their bank account. So we're tremendously excited. We have a wonderful chef, Terry Condon, who um, rejoined our organization, and we are really into the most high-quality foods that we can possibly provide, and it's just going to be a really fun thing. Is this something this senior center did before, and it's coming back, or is it? Yeah, during our history, we've likely always had meals, but they were provided by different entities. Since right before COVID, we were providing lunches ourselves. And then during COVID, we brought lunches to people that we knew were vulnerable, which is what a wonderful thing to do. And then we started up again and found that we had such demand, we didn't have enough space and we didn't have enough tools. So our board, I think it was over $300,000 worth of renovations that we just did so that we have a really high-end commercial kitchen more space so that we can have more people coming. So really exciting. And it opens up Monday on the soft open. And then once we make sure everything's perfect, we're going to have a nice op grand opening for that. Well, that's great. You have to send me a menu. It's going to be great and great. great. Yummy. If you don't know where the senior center is located, you could go to the library and cross the parking lot and hit the senior center. Absolutely. It's a lovely blue, light blue building. It's so homey looking on the front. We have a great garden that we're going to be retooling at some point, but it's lovely as it is. Another thing that's happening next Thursday, the 25th, is we're having an open house from 4 to 6 p.m. And everyone's invited. We just ask that people give us a ring in RSVP so we know how many people will be with us. And uh, it's an opportunity. All our staff will be there. Most of our board members will be there to hear about all of the great programs that we have. But I am going to, if you ask, <laughs> tell you about some of them. At the same time, yeah, one thing I before you, before you dive yeah. into that, it's the relationship to the city. Is there okay? There is a relationship to yeah. the city. So the city owns a property and has since 1969. 
even though we've done tremendous renovations on it, they are wonderful landlords. They rent us the property for a dollar a year so that we just have to pay all of the operational costs of the building to keep it affordable. If there's something wrong with the painting or the exterior stuff, they take care of that, which is really great. And they give us a small gift every year to help us with operations too. Mostly you depend on outside donations to support. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yes. But one thing, and I'm so glad you're talking about something that's perfect for what I was going to say. We were gifted, we in the city, the property, as I mentioned, in 1969. And approximately, well, 25 years ago, which we can do the math, and we were gifted another great thing. And that was a donation from someone who visited Sebastopol, but their house was someplace else in California. There it leaves this great big three-story home. And the woman was a seamstress and she was also apparently a pack rat in terms of she loved the fabrics and the bobbins and everything that goes with sewing. And her house was completely full. When she passed, her executives didn't know what to do with the stuff. Somehow they came to us. We started a store. It's called The Legacy. We've been operating it for 25 years. And right now it provides us with about 40% of the revenue that we have. And we're almost up to a million dollars. It is absolutely amazing. My understanding is it's the go-to place for people in the North Bay if they want to find the best kinds of fabric, wool, things for craftspeople. Buttons, apparently we have we have buttons that no one else has in the world, you know. So people who are artisans, they come and find us. That's open Monday through Saturday because we're largely volunteer oriented. We're closed on Sundays, but it's a wonderful way to serve the community in many ways and to support our center. Now, you were going to talk about some of the programs. Yeah, we also offer a lot of classes and courses and things like that. We run Tai Chi classes. We run some Tai Chi classes for people who are doing sitting Tai Chi. We do some yoga classes. We did a lot of these on Zoom over COVID. And some of them were keeping like that because it really allows people who it's just too hard for them to move their bodies over, but they can participate if they're still doing Zoom. So we're trying to do as many of that as we can based on demand. So we really like people to tell us what they want and what they prefer. We're doing this program called sales, but what it is to help people with balance. And it's led by a physical therapist and it offers education and skills development so that people can strengthen from where they are. We're going to be in September offering some screenings, some free screenings with a whole bunch of different health professionals. So if someone is worried about either their parent or themselves with the risk of falling, we can help them in terms of do they need immediately referrals to doctors for something that they don't even know they have yet? Or would our program be the best for them or whatever kind of level of care might be helpful for them? Do we, we do anything that someone says, we'd like to do a class and do you have space in a room? I'm going to just click right now and see what our current offerings are for that for this month. We've got collage journaling, watercolor, bridge, gentle yoga, sitting Tai Chi the um, balance classes. We have introduction to cannabis on here. It's all on our website, but and it's constantly changing. But the things that people want to do, like Tai Chi and yoga and things like that, 
they're typically always on. It's just a nice way for people to keep learning about things and doing something for their health. Let's talk about health for a bit. COVID obviously impacted everybody, but the elderly in our community were the most vulnerable to COVID. That must have changed a lot of what the senior center could do the last two years. Yes, they actually had to close, take that terrible pregnant pause in March and April of 2020. And this place, from my understanding, came back booming in offering meals and Zoom classes. And of course, our website for people who are comfortable using a website was a real help in showing all the resources and referrals. That's another thing that we do is we help to open doors for people when they have a need for something. And our reception still in a big spacey room with as much ventilation so people could still call us but it was a different time. We right now require people to be vaccinated to come into our place. And I'm actually looking at that right now because I just read that the rates of transmitting COVID are pretty much the same regardless. But what you get <laughs> if you're vaccinated is probably lower. So it's such a, a thing. And you'll probably keep things just as they are for the longest time. But we don't want to put a barrier up to people access. Do you find people are coming back to the senior center? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. They are half our members bring masks and wear their masks and half of them don't. We don't require that they wear masks because we don't have to, but we love that they do because we know that they're trying to take care of themselves. We're going to start really making sure that all of our spaces have just the best ventilation that we possibly can afford. Do that extra thing as the weather changes and we might have doors closed more. We just want to make sure that everything is as safe as possible. It's great to have people back and great to see smiling faces. Again, that was one thing yeah. that was hard to see yeah. for the last two years. COVID isolated all of us in different ways. And it's really great to connecting. Yep. Yeah. And supposedly the things that I've read and my mentor with that is Mary Piper, a psychologist, talks about shared trauma. And that it's not necessarily one-to-one -one counseling that people need. It's exactly what you just mentioned. It's people getting together and laughing and being together and then getting their basic needs met. But once that's met, it's being together and being able to talk about things. And that is often equally beneficial to the group of people who are traumatized by something. And so it's everything that we can do to bring people together in a safe place is what we want to do. Yeah, that's great. Something that also applies, I think you mentioned it, but it's almost an unexpected thing in growing up, getting older, is that is elder care, taking care of your parents or taking yeah. care of other people in the community that are older, almost in the way you had to take care of your children. Exactly. But different, time-consuming, mm -hmm. frustrating sometimes, and there aren't often easy answers. That's something that must cross through the senior center a bit. Oh, it does incredibly. And I've been talking about the new old and the old old. There's a whole bunch of us who don't think we're old. And we're so fortunate to have good health and be running around. And it's like the senior center is in some ways a place for older teenagers. Some people don't have jobs anymore or they have part-time jobs or whatever, but they really want to have fun. They don't have all those kid obligations and things like that. So it's a time to really express. And then there are a group of what we might consider the older, old people who have developed vulnerabilities and need some support. And many those folks, because they've lived to be much long older, that are also could be considered senior citizens. So it is a pickle. And we really hope it doesn't matter if you're 40 years old and you're a parent is facing some vulnerabilities. We want to be one of the calls that you can make 
We don't have social workers, but we do have incredible amount of resources to help people get on their way. And if they found dead ends, they could call us back and we could see what else we can do. There are organizations that do have case managers and people that when people need that level of support and stuff like that. There is a level, especially among the elderly, sometimes they just don't know who to call. Or they're afraid of asking the wrong question or that people aren't going to be nice to them. And I think what senior centers probably throughout the country, but ours especially, is that we are so welcoming and friendly. If you make a phone call to us, you're going to get nice, happy people. They will answer every question that you have to the best of their ability. I think that's the great thing about senior centers is that they're welcoming. That's what they want to do is to help. You mentioned that a focus on inclusivity too, and bringing the diverse threads in our community together. We're really excited about that. And we're starting to make connections with different entities and organizations. And when I think of having young people help, right now we have some volunteers who are helping older people learn how to use their Macintosh or their cell phones. But I can't wait till we can get a whole corral of young people They might be 10 years old and teaching someone, or they might be 14 years old. We don't know yet, but really helping to teach because on the other end, that person who doesn't know anything about Mac may know everything there is about fixing engines. And that might be something that that other person's interested in or making really great cookies or something. So that's that cross collaborative. Another side is even knowing the community and its history. The the Living History Project, but we don't want to say, because I would think, oh, you would ask questions and they would write, they would tell you and you'd be writing notes or using a microphone. But the young people know all the different tools. I do not know what they are. And they will be able to tell us how they might do it. It might be through art. It might be through some kinds of technology things that I don't know the names of yet. It could be in so many different ways. In preparing to work in Sebastopol, I read a couple books on the history of the Gravenstein apples, and this was a different world. So people who were 70s, 80s, and their 90s really saw a different world. People who were 60s saw a different world than what is on Main Street. I think that would be so wonderful. And then they can show us how to hook these up to everyone else's websites. So I'm really it's, looking it, forward it, to it, that. It, it does remind us of the pace of change. I know you're new to the position, but what are some of the goals you might have for the senior center, things that you want to make your mark on it and Mm -hmm. help it go forward, recognizing also some of the needs it must address. Now, my guess is, and this is completely a guess because I've always worked in areas that had significant poverty or people who were just on fixed incomes without any other assets to help them along. My guess is people here hide limited income much more than they might someplace else because there is a vibrant community of people in restaurants and every, you know, this place is geared, this part of California is geared to people who have a lot of disposable income. So my guess, that's just my guess and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. (laughs) And we just need to find those folks so that we can make sure that they have as much support as they that we can, we meeting the community of we's and all of the systems can help them. It's a very thoughtful response. Inflation and the cost of living going up so high and they can't do much about that. It's a very difficult position to be. The other thing is, because I'm fairly new to California, in this part of California, and it's just making sure, and it might just be learning for me, that the elders, if we have to quickly 
leave our homes because of a smoke or fire event. I just need to be convinced that we know where every single person lives and that they can get out of their houses. Yeah, I haven't written about it and involved a little bit myself. There's something called the Meet Your Neighbors and what other things. And just to give anyone listening here a little bit, it's in your neighborhood who those people are that might need assistance Mm -hmm. during evacuation or because power goes out. You might not know them very well or haven't interacted Mm -hmm. with them or they could have had a change in help that you aren't aware of. And if anyone was here, or a lot of people were here during the the, the fires, they come, come down the street and they shout, time to leave. They don't check that you leave. Right. See who stays behind. And, and you've made a point with people's conditions changing. People can have a fall and they were healthy and strong and now they're not quite that way anymore. That's so why you don't see them on the street anymore. So I think you're right to reach out to your neighbors now while there's no smoke around and just see how people are doing. I know when I moved here and worked in Hillsburg, our finance officer lost her home in Ukiah the same night as the 2017 and her neighbor to the north and to the south of her did not make it out of their road. And if they had these preventative programs, like they started immediately, would that have been different? Who knows? No one will ever know. When I hear what you were saying and what Sebastopol has done, it just reinforces for me to have that conversation, see how people are doing before. Is there anything else coming up that you want to talk about? You have something we have our biggest fundraiser in September. It's called, I love the name of it, it's called Age to Perfection. <laughs> and it's a time we're having a really great band, Pride and Joy. They're out of San Francisco, and I guess they're tremendously well regarded. We're going to be at one of the venues at the Barlow, and we are going to have a wonderful catered meal, and there'll be opportunities to be able to win a raffle or win somehow a bid. I think maybe it's a bid for a whole bunch of wine that is not on the market. It's just a way to support our organization so we can do all the great things that we're doing. And with just hopes for the future that we'll be even more dynamic than we have been, which has been pretty darn dynamic. Good. Joan, thank you for your time today. I learned a lot about the Senior Center and I hope others did as well. And uh, I wish you luck in your continuing journey to, to lead the organization. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure, Dale. Thank you so much.